parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad you're here. In today's episode, I want to share with you a really powerful tool that I think all parents should have in their parenting toolbox. Now, this tool is so incredibly simple, and all you need is you. What I'm talking about here is something I like to call storytelling. Now, I'm not talking about making up fun stories about fictional characters to entertain your kids. Don't get me wrong. That's super fun and something that I think all parents should enjoy doing with their kids at some point, but that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about when I say storytelling in this context is when we as parents Tell the story of what happened or what's about to happen to help our kids connect the dots of something going on in their lives. Here's the thing. Our kids only know the life experience that they've had. And for most of our kids, that life experience is pretty limited compared to an adult. And so things that we might think of as no big deal that we're used to, that we do all the time can feel like a really big deal for our kids. So even simple things like doctors and dentist visits, the first day of school, riding a school bus for the first time, going on a field trip. These are new experiences for our kids. And it can be so, so helpful for our kids to have a story to understand what's happening or what to expect. When we use storytelling with our kids, We help them make sense of what's going on around them. Things that might be confusing, unfamiliar, maybe even scary. We deepen the attachment relationship and the trust and the stability and the security in that relationship. And we can sort of help to insulate our kids against stressful or maybe even traumatic experiences. So I think it's important to say a little word about trauma here because it's become a bit of a buzzword. And what I mean by that is that you're hearing about trauma everywhere, right? Not just from your therapist or when you're reading a book about trauma, but you're also hearing the word trauma on Instagram and on TikTok. And I actually think that's awesome. I think it's really cool that we are having these conversations, that we're talking about trauma, we're destigmatizing mental health care. I think that's amazing. I also think that for some people, it can start to feel like, okay, seriously, is everything traumatic these days? If you've ever had that reaction, I hear you. You're not alone. Here's the thing about trauma. Trauma is in the eye of the beholder. The way that I define trauma is anything that happens to us that our brain cannot fully process or make sense of while it's happening. So with that definition, we can understand that something that's traumatic for one person might not be traumatic for somebody else, right? That Our body and our brain might encode that experience differently than the person sitting next to us. So when our brains don't necessarily have a schema or 
sort of a blueprint for the situation that we are in when we haven't prepared for it, when we haven't been through it before, when we don't know that it's about to happen or what to expect, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. All of these things can be factors that lead to something being encoded as traumatic. So from that perspective, we can understand that our kids who have limited life experience, often they don't have the language skills that we do as adults to sort of talk themselves through and create a narrative for what's happening or for what happened. Our kids are more vulnerable to traumatic experiences. Similarly, people giving birth are more vulnerable to trauma. That's why birth trauma is so, so common. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that birth trauma is really common, but when someone is in labor, their brain is in an altered state, which leaves them more vulnerable to experiencing what's happening as traumatic, especially if providers aren't communicating and helping them create that narrative. So with our kids, we as parents have such a powerful role because we can be the storytellers. We can help our kids connect the dots of the things that are going on in their lives so that they can make sense of it. And that's what our kids really need when something happens that is startling, unfamiliar, confusing, scary. Our kids don't need to be made to feel better. Our kids need our help to make it make sense. And I think that's a really important perspective shift because when we think that it's our job to make our kids somehow feel better about what happened or feel okay about going to the doctor and getting a shot or feel like something scary that happened was somehow less scary, when we think that's our job, we have a really big and sometimes impossible task in front of us. We talk a lot on this podcast about how it's not our job as parents to fix feelings But that can be really challenging when our kids are going through something that's really hard. When your child is so terribly afraid of going to the doctor to get a shot, and I've been there. My middle child was so scared of shots, and it was so hard to not fix that. But what did I do instead? Instead, I used storytelling. So we talked about what was going to happen We watched Daniel Tiger. We watched Mr. Rogers. We played. We got out his stuffed animals and he got out his little doctor's kit and he gave them shots and he gave me shots and I pretended to give him shots. We talked about what to expect. I didn't lie to him and say, oh, no, no, it won't hurt. I said, yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for just a minute and then it'll stop hurting, right? Your arm might be a little sore afterward. And we talked about all of the things that he could expect going into it. Now, did that make him less scared? Maybe a little bit, but what it really did was help him connect the dots to make sense of the feeling that he was feeling in his body. Like, yeah, you're, you're nervous about this. You've never had this happen or you don't remember it. And it feels really scary because you're nervous about the fact that it's going to hurt. I really get that. Here are some things you can expect. And so just letting our kids have those feelings, but helping them create a story so that they understand what is going on is so, so incredibly helpful. So you can use this for any new experience that your child is going to have. So prior to the first day of school, my oldest was really nervous about riding the bus. So we watched videos about riding the bus. We talked about what do you think might happen when you go up the steps? Where will you go after that? You're going to pick a seat. Which seat do you think you're going to pick? 
I wonder if your friends will be on the bus with you, right? So just sort of helping him think through the different potentialities of this situation. Of course, we can't perfectly predict the future, but we can help our kids create a bit of a schema ahead of time by using storytelling. And you can use this for medical procedures, for any kind of new or unfamiliar experience that your child might have. So that's just one way that we can use storytelling. When we can remember that, you know, it's not my job to make my child feel good about this. It's not my job to make my child not be scared, but it is my job to help prepare my child, to help my child feel as prepared as possible. That perspective shift is huge because it takes the burden of doing an impossible task off of us as parents and it empowers us with an actually very simple and doable strategy which is to help our kids connect the dots and make sense of what's about to happen. Speaking of perspective shifts, the way that we see ourselves and our kids in any hard parenting moment is truly everything. Think about it. If you're in a store and your child starts to melt down and everybody's looking at you and you think that you are doing a bad job as a parent because your child is melting down in a store, you are going to have a nearly impossible time showing up in a way that's helpful because you're going to be thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my kid? Why can't I get it together? Why can't he get it together? You're going to be spinning into that parenting rabbit hole that I talk about all the time on this podcast. But if you can see that moment for what it is, which is a normal and healthy and expected part of childhood and a moment that says nothing about your parenting, You're going to be able to keep it together, take a deep breath and show up for your child in a way that is helpful and in a way that allows your child to feel the feelings, which is exactly what your child needs in that moment. So toward that end, I have created a free guide for you called six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. You can go to raisedresilient.com forward slash mindset and grab your copy today. Trust me, this guide is a game changer. And I know this because I wrote it using the mindset shifts that were most powerful for me as I transformed my own parenting through shifting my perspective. So make sure that you grab your copy today. You don't want to miss this. There's even a page that you can print out and carry with you for when you need a reminder for those really tough moments. Okay, so now back to what we were talking about in terms of storytelling. Another situation where storytelling can be so incredibly powerful is when your child gets hurt. Think about it. Our kids fall down and skin their knees or bump their heads all the time, especially our little babies and toddlers who are just learning how to move their bodies through space. But all of our kids, in fact, Just a few weeks ago, we were at a neighborhood gathering and my oldest accidentally was running with his friends and accidentally ran into a metal gate. He bruised his cheekbone really badly and he was so upset. Falling down and getting hurt can be really startling and maybe even scary for kids, especially if they get hurt badly. When our kids get hurt, most of the time, they're in the middle of play. They're in the middle of running down the sidewalk happily. And out of seemingly nowhere, they trip and fall or they run into a metal gate. And that can be so jarring. And it's interesting because I have seen it all when it comes to how people think they should respond when their kids get hurt. 
I think, again, in the same way that many of us grew up being told, brush it off, get up, don't cry, you're fine, anytime we had a feeling, including when we fell and got hurt, I think it can be really tough to not have that be your knee-jerk reaction when your own child falls and gets hurt. I think there is this push still to make kids feel better when they fall. And toward that end, I've seen people say to ignore it when your child gets hurt. I've even seen people clap and get really excited, like, yay, as if doing so will make the child forget that they just fell and that they feel really startled and maybe that they're even in pain and just help them feel happy again. That is such a confusing message for kids. And I think it comes from this idea that we don't want to overreact and freak out because that teaches our kids that falling and getting hurt is this big, scary thing. I think we've gone so far in the other direction, though, that it's really unhelpful. And I do think it's important not to have a huge reaction when our kids fall and get hurt, right? We don't want to have a reaction that's even bigger than the reaction that our child might have had if we had given them the space to show us how they were feeling, right? And I've done that. If you've done that, you're not alone. I remember when my oldest was a toddler and he fell and hit his lip and mouths and lips bleed a lot. If your child has ever bumped their lip, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember I was like, oh my goodness. And my husband's over here going like, hey, chill, (laughs) not ideal. And so, yeah, we don't want to have this huge reaction and freak out, but our kids also need us to be tuned into them in that moment and to provide a story of what happened to help them make sense of it. So here's how that might sound. And this is what I do with my own kids. So let's say your child is just running happily down the sidewalk and then trips and falls and skins their knee. You might go to your child and you might say, oh, I saw that you were just running down the sidewalk, having so much fun and out of nowhere, you tripped and fell. Gosh, that must have been startling. You didn't expect that to happen. And from there, you can follow your child's cues. My kids often want me to kiss the boo-boos. Sometimes they need a band-aid. And then often they are back at it, back off to play. My kids have actually taken to this storytelling strategy so well that now, even if I didn't see what happened, they need to come and tell me what happened in order to process it. They'll come find me and they'll say something like, mommy, I was just outside playing tag with my brother and I didn't even see that there was something in my way and I tripped and I fell. And I say, oh man, that must've been really surprising. You didn't expect that to happen. And they'll say, yeah, I know. And then I skin my knee and we'll kiss the boo-boos or give band-aids and then they're back off to play. So even if I don't see what happened, my kids have found this storytelling tool to be so powerful that they do it themselves, even if I didn't see what happened. So try this the next time your child gets hurt. Another place that storytelling can be really powerful is when we as parents mess up and lose our cool with our child. So it's really, really incredibly powerful to model healthy repair to say, I'm so sorry I yelled. But I think the part of the repair that is even more important than that is the part where we say, you know, 
when I yell, it is never your fault. It is never okay for me to talk to you like that. Those are my mad feelings and I need to do a better job of handling them. And I will. That part is gold for the attachment relationship. And the reason is it helps our kids connect the dots of what happened. It's really scary and unsettling for your normally calm and safe caregiver to lose it, to speak harshly to you, to yell at you. That feels really scary for kids. And so it's so important when we repair that not only do we apologize and acknowledge and take ownership for our mistakes, but also that we can help our kids understand what happened. You know, I didn't handle my mad feelings the right way. And I'm really sorry about that. I'm going to do a better job next time by taking some deep breaths. It's also really, really important for our kids to internalize that when we yell, that's our mistake. It's not about them. There's not something inherently bad in them that causes us to yell. And when we don't articulate that, that is what our kids assume because kids are naturally egocentric. Think about it from your own perspective. When you were a child, if your parent yelled at you, spanked you, cursed at you, how did you make sense of that? I think for most of us, given that repair wasn't something most parents did when we were kids, I think that for most of us, we internalized a sense of badness. We internalized this narrative that, you know what, something about me causes my dad to yell. Something about me causes my mom to lose it. And we start to change ourselves and try to show up differently in that relationship so that we can avoid the yelling as if it is us that is causing it. But that yelling is never about the child. That yelling is about the parent not being able to manage their own feelings. And we have to articulate that for our kids. And when we do, it is amazing the trust and the sturdy foundation that we build in that attachment relationship. Now, similarly, you can use this if your child sees you and your partner arguing. Now, I do think it's really helpful for kids to see healthy disagreement, right? So something like, you know, I actually think we should really do it this way, and here's why. And when we can really listen to each other and be respectful, I think kids should see that happening. I even think it's okay for kids to see us get frustrated with each other. For us to say something like, I'm feeling really frustrated right now, and to see us use our coping skills. I'm going to go outside and take some deep breaths, and I'll be right back. When we do that in our relationship with our partners, in front of our kids, when we do that in our relationships with our kids, that is powerful and really, really great. But sometimes in our relationships with our partners, we don't handle things respectfully, right? We're not perfect. And so if you start to speak disrespectfully towards each other, if you raise your voices, if things get ugly, go back to your child later and tell the story of what happened. You know, earlier today, dad and I were having a conversation and it didn't go very well because both of us had some really big feelings that we didn't do a great job handling. And I raised my voice and daddy said some mean things, right? Or you might say earlier today, your mom and I were really trying to work something out, but we both lost our cool and we said things we didn't mean. Have you ever felt like that? I know sometimes you struggle with your sister in the same way. But it doesn't mean you don't love her, right? Mommy and I love each other very much. 
But sometimes we don't do the best job handling our mad feelings, just like you and your sister have a hard time with that sometimes. We're going to talk to each other and try to do better next time. So tell the story of what happened. Make it make sense for your child. Another situation where you might use storytelling is when something's going on in your personal life or in the world that's got you down and you're in a mood or you're affected by it. You can tell your child, you can help them connect the dots in a developmentally appropriate way. There's been a lot going on lately in the world that is really, really hard. And even if you don't have the news on in your home, your child is likely to pick up on the fact that you are a little off. Or maybe you've had a bad day at work and you come home and you're just not quite yourself. Kids pick up on unspoken tension. So that could be, again, because there's something happening in the world that's got you down. That could be because you had a fight with your partner, but your kids don't know that. That could be about having had a bad day at work, being stressed out about finances. I mean, it could be anything. But when you are stressed and there's unspoken tension, that's really damaging for kids when they don't have a story. Now, they don't need all the details. They don't need you to tell them all of the details of your personal life or of something really hard that's happening in the world. Think about a bird's eye view, right? So that might sound like, you know, you might be noticing that I've been crying a lot lately or I've seemed a little sad or I've been really frustrated. And I just wanted you to know that that's not about you. That has nothing to do with you. I'm really sad about some things happening on the other side of the world. Here, let's look at a map and I can show you where. There are some people who aren't safe and it makes me feel really sad. And I've just been thinking about them a lot lately. So that's how that bird's eye view might sound. Or you might say, you know what? I have been really stressed about some things at work. And you might have noticed that it's not about you and it's not your fault. And I love you very much. And I just wanted to tell you in case you could notice that I seemed a little mad or a little annoyed, right? So you can tell the story and help your child connect the dots because I promise you when there's unspoken tension and we don't spell that out for our kids and the part we really need to spell out is it is not about you. This is not your fault. When there's unspoken tension and we don't do that, our kids who are naturally and developmentally egocentric will internalize often unconsciously, right? It's not like they do this on purpose. They'll internalize this sense of mommy must be mad at me or daddy must be annoyed with me, right? When it has nothing to do with them. Now, just a note, let's say it does have something to do with them and you're frustrated with your child. This is a really tough thing because I know sometimes our kids can trigger us. They can push our buttons. They don't do any of this on purpose. They are just being kids, good kids, having tough times, right? And yet it can feel really personal sometimes and we can feel really frustrated. So a word about how to handle that. I would strongly encourage you not to let that play out as coldness towards your child, as the silent treatment, as frustration that continues to leak out. Do what you need to do to get your head in the right place, to get yourself back to that place where you can hold on to a sense of your child's inherent goodness, even though 
the behaviors might feel really frustrating. So that might mean that you need a little bit of time alone. That might mean that you need to go back to some mantras. I've got a good kid having a tough time. I'm a good parent and I have a good kid. Nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with my kid. Behavior is communication. Whatever you need to do. This is where my six mindset shifts could be really helpful for you just to go back and revisit that. Because when we are triggered, we don't see things accurately. We see our kid as the problem or we see ourselves as the problem. And when that happens, it can be really hard to show up in our relationship with our child in a way that continues to see their inherent goodness and to show them that we see that, if that makes sense. So if your frustration or your mood is related to your child, do what you need to do so that you can come back and do whatever repair needs to happen. And again, that repair is about you and the part that you can own. Your child's repair has to come from them and you can't force that. But do what you need to do to get back to a place where you can show up lovingly and open and as their safe and secure base without holding a grudge, without being grumpy, without sighing and acting like they're annoying you. That can be so damaging to kids, especially if that's our MO. Now, again, we don't have to do any of this perfectly. So if you've done that before, it's no big deal. But if that's your primary way of handling your feelings when you're frustrated with your child, let's try a different approach. Because over time, that can really erode that sense of safety, that sense of my parent delights in me all the time, even when I'm struggling, maybe especially when I'm struggling. Our kids need that to feel safe and grounded in our love. So I will leave this here. I think that this storytelling tool, again, it is so, so, so powerful. It is such a wonderful and important tool to have in our parenting toolbox. So I hope this is helpful. If you have any questions about anything I talked about today or anything else related to parenting, you can always ask questions at raiseresilient.com forward slash questions. In the meantime, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.